Welcome to Book Bistro, where book enthusiasts come to chat about the books they love in a warm and supportive environment. Welcome to Book Bistro. Today is Monday, November 22nd, 2021. This is Stacy recording the podcast today because Shannon so graciously shared with me because it is our annual holiday reads episode and it's my most favorite time of the year. Once we do all of the normal housekeeping announcements, we will do a round starting with me and then Brooke and then Sarah and then Georgina, and then we'll start again. You can find us on Twitter and on Facebook by searching Book Bistro Podcast. You can always post just on the Book Bistro timeline. Some of you have done that. I'm always so happy to see when you've published posts there. You can join our Facebook listener group where you can chat with us as well as with other podcast listeners. You can keep an eye on some of what we're reading. We usually update you each Wednesday with a look at our current reads. If you'd like to get a hold of us and social media is not really your thing, you can email us. That address is thebookbistropodcast at gmail.com. So the holidays are a time of so much joy and in the past it's a time to gather with family and friends to have holiday parties to eat too much and sometimes drink too much to reconnect with friends and family and sometimes it's a time to fall in love or solve mysteries and i although 11 months out of the year i am a bit of a kind of no nonsense person I get completely, I turn into a puddle of sap for romance, holiday romances and holiday books. And so every year, Shannon so graciously allows me to bring all of the sappity wappity to Book Bistro. And I'm so happy <laughs> to start us off today. The sappity wappity. The sappity wappity. <laughs> and so today I will start us off talking about a book I've been anticipating for months. And that is Christmas in Rosebend, Rosebend number two by Naima Simone. This author is a goddess, so if you haven't read her books before, go forth and read. This is such a lovely book. It is about an ER nurse named Nessa. Nessa's not doing very well. Her mother passed away several months ago, and just before her death, she kind of dropped a bomb on Nessa that she wasn't expecting, and I will not spoil it and tell you what she told her. But it kind of shook up Nessa's whole world order and made her question a lot about her mother and her relationships. Well, then fast forward a few months and she's kind of already struggling with her mother's death. And then the man that she's always thought of as her father passes away, leaving in her care, her tween half-sister, Ivy. And this is kind of like, well, what the hell do I do with a kid? Like, we're not close. Like, <laughs> Ever since her father left when Nessa was about 14, they've had very limited contact. And so Nessa does not know Ivy, her half-sister, very well. But she's this grieving 12-year-old, and she has to do something with her. And she uh, gets a letter that uh, her father's attorney passes on to her 
basically asking her to take Ivy to Rose Bend to celebrate the holiday there because he thinks it will do Ivy some good to be in this environment and might do them both good as sisters to be there. And so Nessa is like, oh, she hates Christmas, has ever since her father left when she was 14 because it's her mother's favorite time of the year. And she just, she's had to pretend this whole time that it's something that she enjoys too when it's a time that just makes her sad. And she goes to Rose Bend with her prickly little sister who she barely knows. And Rose Bend is like this Christmas town on steroids. There's like festivals every day and group things to join and a Santa run and like a a festival and tree (laughs) lightings. And I know me too. And like caroling together, like all these things. And she's kind of like, oh, but it's the first time in a long time. Well, it's the first time she's really seen Ivy smile since her father passed away. And so she's trying to suck it up and kind of join in some of the Christmas festivities. Well, when she gets there to the inn where she is staying, she discovers that the son of the owners of the inn, Wolfgang Dennison, is hotter than hot. And she's trying to fight her attraction to this man because she's only going to be in Rosebend for a month. But things just keep getting spicier and Wolfgang, Wolf, he just teases her out of her funk and makes her start enjoying all of the festivities. There is so much more I could say about this book, but I want parts of it to be a surprise. This book, not only is it about two people falling in love against the backdrop of just gorgeous snowy December and carols and hot chocolate and Christmas tree lightings and all the, you know, holiday festivity, but it's also about the love between sisters. It's about finding yourself, learning who you are. It's about finding community. It's about found family. I mean, this book just has something for most everyone. And Naima Simone just does everything about this so well. So what I would encourage you to do, because even though um, this book could be read as a standalone, I think it, it does better um, read in order. Yes, Natalia, I said you could read these in order. Usually I read <laughs> in whatever way I want. <clears throat> but this, this book, again, is Christmas in Rose Bend. Um, and it is Rose Bend number two by Naima Simone. And go forth and read because it will make you so very happy. I need to read that. I just, I just started the road to Rose Bend. I need to read this. So my first book tonight is Midnight in Everwood by M.A. Kuznier. And I apologize if I said your last name wrong. So our main (laughs) character's name is Marietta. And Marietta loves ballet. Like her biggest dream in life is to become like a head ballerina in in the theater. And she really wants to go to ballet school. But her family, they're like this... uh, posh family they want her to join um edwardian society um, (laughs) of course (laughs) in in north england and she is expected to do this after christmas so this book takes place at christmas and she really doesn't want to do this and you kind of get to see like her older brother who also wants to live his own life he also is stuck kind of following what the family wants so his father is a lawyer so of course Frederick has to become a lawyer 
Meanwhile, he wants to be an artist. So he's trying to support Marietta, but also kind of tell her that, like, like, you might just have to pick what our family wants. Otherwise, like, it's going to suck because you're going to be poor. So Marietta really doesn't care about this. So she ends up getting to the theater school um, audition. And then next door to her family, it's Dr. Jesselmeyer. He has moved in to the other half of their townhouse. And he used to be a doctor, but now he's like a toy maker. So he's impressing the family and he's dazzling them with the different toys that he can make. And he also has his eye on Marietta. And of course, the family likes this because, hey, our daughters might get a good family. So Dresselmeyer kind of creeps her out. Like at first, she found him a little dazzling with his toys and all that stuff. But then as she gets to know him, he's kind of creepy. He's showing up in places that she didn't expect. So then we go to Christmas Eve. And he corners her in her family's ballroom. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. no. And to escape him, she runs into the father clock that he made. And this transports her to a new world. So this world, <clears throat> this land is made of like candy. So there's like when it's snowing, it's icing sugar. Um, they describe like the descriptions. Oh, my God. I so was just wanting like a candy <laughs> i wanted candy. I wanted all sorts of candy <laughs> and I wanted, she wanted like, to desserts. eat the world <laughs> i did because like they describe like um her the love interest as having butterscotch button eyes <laughs> Ooh. Ooh, oh that I makes know. me want to lick them right up <laughs> exactly <laughs> <laughs> yeah so she goes she appears in this world and some royal guards come upon her and they like help her because she's like meeting up with these like goblins and all these other creatures that she had knows nothing about right so they save her and they take her to the castle and at this castle there's this wicked king and he decides that Marietta is going to become one of his coveted items. So oh, he's no. got two other items. Um, and one is a fairy. And the reason that he has captured her is because he doesn't want anybody to be out there that's stronger than him. So he's taken her wand away and she's like sequestered away. Um, and then we also have another woman who is a princess in another land. And he is determined that he's going to marry her because, of course, he wants all the power, right? But she refuses. So he has her locked away as well. And now Marietta has joined them. I really loved the descriptions of all the things in the world because it was like you were looking at like a gingerbread town or a gingerbread castle. It was just so neat. Like I was. I was enthralled. I really was. Um, and then just the interactions between the three women and how they really, all of them have their strengths and then all of them have their weaknesses, but each of them is able to support the others to push them to like 
go further. So I really liked that kind of feminist side of things, which I didn't expect in this kind of book. And I loved the um, self-exploration that Marietta had to do. But most of all, I loved like the winter scenes. Like it was so, I felt like I definitely am ready for Christmas after reading this book. One thing I did think was thinking, I know it's kind of weird, but when it snows, icing sugar, then is everything like sticky all the time? I think that would really bother me. Uh, that would bother it, me. Yeah, I was thinking about that the first time you said that. Like, wouldn't your hair get all like I know. crunchy and sticky? Like, that but... kind of bothered me because I hate when my hands are sticky or dirty. I have to wash my hands like constantly. <laughs> but so I would be, I would be, oh my God, like they're in the garden and the captain is about, because the captain is the love interest of the royal guard and he's about to kiss her and he like just gently brushes a flake of snow off her off her cheeks I'm like hey I wonder how sticky that is that's what the first thing I thought <laughs> I wasn't thinking about oh how sweet I was like I wonder if they're sticky <laughs> so if you're a Nutcracker fan or yes. you're just interested in knowing what happens for Marietta like does she get to go and stay with the captain will she become the ba- ballerina of her dreams well you'll have to read it this is Midnight in Everwood by M.A. Kuznier. Oh, my God. I need this. You were so right, Brooke. Brooke uh, on our, our, our staff thread today texted and said that, that I needed this book in my life. And I yeah. completely concur. I'm going forth and buying this as soon as we're done. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. We are going to step away from icing sugar and um, I know, That's and sad. gingerbread <laughs> and ballerinas. And we are going to talk about a stalker oh. and a, a mob a mob guy oh. and adorable <laughs> children and a love and not a good monster. Oh. So we are going to talk about, oh, with some Christmas thrown in. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so we, <laughs> we are going to talk about Redemption by Kenya Wright. And... This book was such a surprise. Thank you, Stacy. She's going to get a lot of like accolades from me tonight. Oh my God, um, you're so welcome. <laughs> so I was trying to decide because I, the funny thing is between me and my sister, I am like sappity wappity all year round. And sometimes sappity wappity Christmas books really irritate me. We are very opposite. And I said, <laughs> I, I really want a Christmas book, but I want it a little more gritty. And a little more, like, I want more than, like, singing carols and toasting marshmallows. And she said, well, I saw this book, and it's Redemption by Kenya Wright. And you should look at this one. So it's described as a slow burn holiday romance. And I will tell you this. It is slow burn. It is a romance. There is a little bit of holiday in it. Um, But what I like about it is you really could read it all year round. It's not so Christmassy that you have to read it like around this time of year. So this is the story of Ebony. And Ebony has been running with her three children for the past three years, trying to stay in hiding from her awful, abusive stalker husband. Oh, who keeps finding her and like chasing her. And she's trying to keep her kids safe. Her youngest daughter, who is now eight, 
hasn't spoken since she was five because she witnessed her dad beat her mom so savagely. It just, it took her power of speech. She has also a 13 year old. I think she's 13. She's 12 or 13, Mm -hmm. 13 year old daughter and a 10 year old son. And I mean, they live, they live their lives like trying to be as like normal life as possible, but they always have backpacks packed in the closet and they're always watching over their shoulders. And the book starts out with Ebony's husband finding them again. And she has to run after he's beat her. She gets away. I'm not going to say how, cause it's pretty spectacular. And she drives into a snowstorm with her three children going from Oregon to Washington state. And she knows that she shouldn't be driving and she knows she needs to find a hotel, but she's terrified to stop. She's afraid if she does, her husband is going to find her. And so she stops at this gas station and gets directions to where she thinks the hotels are, but the gas station owner just tells her to go up the road. Well, up the road, there's a fork and they take one side of the fork and they end up getting in an accident, just like sliding out of control and crashing into this property. So let's talk about a little bit about whose property this is. This desolate property is owned by a man named Yoshiro, Yoshiro, Yoshiro. And he has been hiding for the past several years because he used to work for the mob and he refused to do something that the mob wanted him to do. He was a killer for them, a hitman, and he refused to do something and they killed his wife and newborn son. And he has hidden away um, ever since and just lived with his grief alone with his two huskies whose names are salt and Peppa. It's a great part of this. It's a great part of the book when he tries to rap for them. And so he doesn't see many people and he really doesn't want to um, have any interaction at Christmas time. He's just had a really hard time. He's estranged from his family. He's all alone. So this SUV crashes onto his land in the middle of the night in this snowstorm. And there's a terrified woman with an obviously bruised and beaten face and three children. And Yoshiro's like, well, you're going to have to stay at my house. Like this car is not going to drive. And he starts off by giving her his shotgun and showing her how to hold it and saying, look at, I wouldn't have given this to you if I was going to hurt you. I promise I'm not like a strange person. So this is the story. (laughs) Not a what? That is so romantic. (laughs) I know. Oh, there's so much more. There's a quote I'm going to try to say right in a second. But basically, these two souls who have been very wounded in life come together with her kids. And I don't know if the author has children, but she does an amazing. She does amazing job writing how children really act and talk and not like fake children. They're like lippy and cute and love their mom. And he starts to fall in love with this family, but something happens to kind of interfere with their 
tranquility, which is the stalker husband is going to find them. However, sometimes the most romantic Christmas gift you can give someone is a bullet in the person who is trying to take your happy. And, you know, sometimes Christmas miracles involve cutting up bodies and hiding them. (laughs) Will they end up this tormented mob person and this really brave single mom? If you want to know, you should read Redemption by Kenya Wright. It's one of my favorite books I've read this year. It was super good. I need that book in my life. Oh, yes. The quote was about the quote was about the bullets and the cutting up of the bodies. And I didn't say it exactly right. But I was like, oh, my God. When I was looking at the synopsis, I was like, oh, my God, are they going to be cutting up bodies? Like, I don't know how I feel about this because, you know, I'm kind of a wimp about like thriller type books. But um, I will say there are some kind of um, there are some triggers, you know, if you are somebody who is triggered by like a you know, someone being abused. There are some scenes, um, there are some description and there are some violent parts, but, um, it's a really, really beautiful story. And I absolutely love Yoshiro and I loved Ebony and I love the kids. Like I loved everything about it. Really. My first book is all I want for Christmas is a cowboy by Jessica Clare. Oh, I'm glad you're talking about this. I wanted to read it. This has some really great, um, it has some really great lines in it. Um, And some of the stuff is just so mushy that your heart kind of goes all squashy. And (laughs) (laughs) Um, so this is about um, a woman who I just went blank on her name. Oh, Cassie. Cassie works for a famous um, person, and but and I, her name is Rose, the famous person. And Rose has a creepy boyfriend. His name Ooh. is Kevin, and he keeps hitting on Cassie to the point where he becomes a bit aggressive. Sending her text messages that say, you know, we could spend Christmas together. We could things like that that are creepy. So Cassie decides that she's going to go to her parents' cabin in Wyoming. Even though it is a snowstorm, it is awful. It is snowing like crazy. She decides to drive it anyway. She packs her ramen noodles, her energy bars, and her hot (laughs) cocoa. (laughs) And books. Um, And so she's driving, can't see a thing, and she's still getting creepy messages from creepy Kevin here while she's driving in the snowstorm. And one of them is extra creepy. So she crashes the car when she's supposed to take the left fork to her parents' property. And um, the cowboy, whose name is... I went blank. He, um, I think is Ethan and Ethan decides to, um, go check his cattle because one is missing and sees the crash car. 
And so he rescues her. But when she wakes, she can't remember who she is, except that her name is Cassie. And so they have to go through remembering when she looks at the phone, she gets panicked, but doesn't know why. Um, and then it goes through, you know, just their, their, their slowly how they interact together. He's a grumpy kind of surly man. Ooh, my favorite. Love grumpy. <laughs> and so he doesn't want to celebrate Christmas at all. He doesn't want her to put up a tree. He doesn't want her to do anything. She's a horrible cook. Um, burns bacon, makes pancakes, and all you can taste is the the egg and <laughs> just really horrible. Um, and there's a big a Pyrenees dog in this book, so I like Aww. that. And she's about to have puppies, and her name is Francesca. So it it just goes through all of their how they um, how does he get to be so not so grumpy and and try to help her recover her memories and she has to um, remember who she who she is. So if you want to find out whether they fall in love, whether they stay together. Um, it is called All I Want for Christmas is a Cowboy by Jessica Clare. That sounds really fun. So she writes a whole series of books about, is it Wyoming or Montana? Yes. Um, about this small town. I think this is part of that series. And it seems like she has several holiday romances in that series. So um, I'll have to pick this one up. I haven't read it yet, so... So I have to preface my second book with a little story. <laughs> and Uh-oh. Sarah's already laughing and I'm kind of horrified that I'm, <clears throat> I'm kind of horrified that I'm sharing this, but I have to. So about a month ago, I was going through and looking at <laughs> upcoming, shut up, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was going through upcoming releases. It was at night. Um, and, you know, this year has been a little fraught for a lot of people and um, emotional and um, just a very hard year. And I started looking at upcoming releases and started looking through some of the holiday titles that were coming out. And I saw this book and I re- so what I like to say about myself is my heart is made of stone. I'm not a very like outwardly emotional person. And I want people to think that I'm kind of bitchy and hard. (laughs) And so I was very shocked. I'm reading this synopsis of this book and oh my God, I burst into tears. Like reading this book, I was sitting in my bed. I started crying in my bed and it wasn't even from the actual story. It was from the synopsis. (laughs) And I called Sarah and I'm like, oh my God, this book just made me cry. Just reading the synopsis. Well, Sarah being the great sister that she is, couldn't keep that to herself. Oh no. She had to call Shannon and tell her how I sat in my bed and cried reading the synopsis. Okay. Well now, and of course, Shannon said to me, is this the book that made you cry in your bed? So like now it's like a, like a known thing. So I am putting this out there that this book I'm going to talk about, I had to tell you about it because just reading the synopsis made me like sappy cry in my bed, which horrifies me 11 months out of the year. Okay. That's a Sarah move, not a Stacy move. Just no, it's not a Stacy move. This book I'm going to talk about is called The Christmas Dress by Courtney Cole. And just the damn name sounds like a 
Hallmark movie like the Christmas dress. I mean, so this book is about Meg and Meg is really having a rough time. She is um, working in New York um, in the fashion industry and her dreams are finally coming true. She's working for um, a top fashion uh, magazine and she's, she's doing what she's always wanted. Well, then her father dies. Her father dies and she's alone. She has no more family and she has to go back to Chicago to take over the running of this apartment building that her father has owned and has loved and where she actually grew up. But this apartment building holds a lot of memories for her. Um, And all she's focusing on at the beginning are the rough and sad memories that are held within this apartment and in this building about her family. And she goes home and she's just like, her world is ended. Like she had to leave the job that she worked for years to obtain. And she just feels very cast adrift as she steps into this apartment building, this amazing apartment building that was built in like the 1860s. And rumor has it housed a speakeasy in the 1920s. And this building is, I know. And this building is filled with a bunch of like geriatric residents who all like have to like run out to her and tell her all these problems. Like, oh, I'm so sorry to bother you, my dear, but you know, I haven't had hot water and oh gosh, the elevator's not working. And oh, and so every time she's approached by someone with a new problem that she has to deal with, with no money, PS, no money, because her father, her father did as much as he could for the building without actually having the money to do so. So now like this building, um, you know, there's a scene with rats, there's a scene (gasps) with leaking water. I mean, there's just all this crap going on in this building. And every time this crap is going on in this building, she keeps running into this really, really hot handyman who helps with the issues But she always embarrasses herself and does stupid things or snotty things or just never shows herself in her best light to this man. And she has to deal with this woman who says that she was her father's assistant who let and he let her run everything. But, you know, she's not getting paid and she's really dismissive of Meg and her talents. But then one day she runs into Ellie and Ellie is having a rough time because her daughter is worried about her staying in the Park Avenue West on her own. And so, no, Park View West, I'm sorry, in this old apartment building on her own. And she wants her to move into like an assisted living slash nursing home type thing after the holidays. And so she's begun going through her apartment. And while Meg is in her apartment, she sees this beautiful, vintage, just amazing looking dress hanging up. And Ellie says that this dress represents both the best and the worst nights of her life. And she tells the story of the dress. And then she gives it to Meg with the caveat that she wants Meg to wear it to the annual holiday party or on a night that, you know, things are going to be good for Meg. And Meg's kind of like, yeah, okay, I'm not in any mood to party. But the longer that Meg is there and, and helping out the residents and getting to know them and getting to know this sexiest sin uh, handyman, and the longer that she is, part of the fabric of this apartment building, the more she begins to care about the residence, the building, the history, and trying to find a way to save the building. 
but also this amazing, gorgeous vintage dress that fits Meg like it was made for her. This dress sparks a whole new line of thought for her about what she could do with, with fashion moving forward. This book was everything that you would want in a holiday romance. It's a little fluffy, a little sappy, a little predictable, but you know, it was special. It was warm. It was filled with heart. It was just an absolutely lovely book. And to find out if Meg gets her heart's desire and if everything works out for all of the residents in this building and what happens, what does the dress do for people? You're going to have to read The Christmas Dress by Courtney Cole to find out. And maybe you, like me, hard-hearted Grinch, maybe you too will sit in your bed and cry reading the synopsis because, oh my God, you needed this in your life and it's been a long, hard, emotional year. And everything about this book just speaks to that little sappy corner of your soul that you try to hide <laughs> from the world. So <laughs> I would encourage you to read this if you like holiday romance and just happily ever afters. It was quite delightful. I might have to look for it. So my second book tonight is a mystery and it involved a dog. So I'm going to talk about It's a Wonderful Wolf, Chet and Bernie Mysteries, number 12 by Spencer Quinn. Wolf or wolf? Wolf. Wolf. W-O-O-F. Like wolf. Okay. (laughs) Thank you. Yep. (laughs) so our main characters are bernie and chet so bernie is a pi and chet is his sidekick so chet is the dog and the books are um, are all told from chet's point of view every once in a while we get a little bit of bernie but it's mostly chet's point of view so it's always really funny to see how he interprets things because he's very literal about things so some of like the sayings that bernie has chet it totally confuses him. Like it goes right over his head. So sometimes he'll just decide like, oh, it's better just not to deal with it. So it's always really funny to hear what Chet thinks about stuff. And then also how Chet kind of points Bernie to things that he knows. So like he smelled, if he smelled a person before and he feels that it was, it might be related to the case, then he'll take Bernie to that person. So I always think that's funny or funny. So that guy, like if this person comes and asks him to take a case, um, he's very much into wanting action. He's not really into the whole sitting behind a computer and checking the web. So he refers the client on to another PI friend who is definitely not made for action. Well, Victor's mother comes to Bernie a couple weeks later and says that Victor is missing. He didn't come to Hanukkah and she's really worried. So she's hiring Bernie to go and figure out like, where is Victor? So Bernie and Chet begin investigating and Bernie's decided that the best way to kind of figure things out is to find out who the client is who hired Victor. So it wasn't the person who came and talked to Bernie. They were talking on behalf of another person but they wouldn't give the name. So this is what Bernie's decided needs to be done first. Yeah. So they start investigating and this takes them to an old mission 
from back in the Spanish wartime. Um, and it's really interesting because you get to learn some of the history behind the place. And you also get to start learning about um, archaeology. So there's a, a, some kind of art item that this person is looking for. And like things start happening and action starts happening. And all of this is taking place in December. So it begins in Hanukkah. And then when the book ends, we get to Christmas. So it was kind of interesting to see how Spencer Quinn was able to incorporate all of the action and stuff into the Christmas holidays. Um, I also thought it was kind of interesting to see like how they're, so they're in California and obviously they don't have snow. So other than talking about like having a tree and having Christmas dinner and lighting the Hanukkah candles, for me, it was really hard to recognize that this book was happening in December, like at Christmas time, because there was obviously no snow because they're in the desert and stuff like that. So I thought that was kind of interesting as an aside anyway. So this is It's a Wonderful Wolf, Chet and Bernie Mysteries, number 12 by Spencer Quinn. I love books about dogs. My next book fills my heart with joy. And again, I'm going to give credit to Stacy for, <laughs> I know, I, I give credit where credit is due for recommending this book. So a lot of times, like around Christmas, I'll say, what are the good Christmas books you've seen on your radar? And then she tells me. So this is Christmas by the Coast. Yay. And it's written by, <laughs> and it's written by Mandy Baggett. And it is the story of a young woman from England named Harriet Cookson. And Harriet has just kind of settled into, she's almost 30. She settled into a settled life with her settled boyfriend. And she has a decent flat share with a nice friend. And she has spent the past couple years rebuilding herself and her heart and her life after a pretty significant tragedy that really just took the, took the floor right from out from under her, pulled the rug out from however you want to say it. And she finds out at the beginning of the book that her beloved grandmother, her Nana, who lives in the U.S. in the Hamptons, her Nana has passed away or she doesn't get a call. Her dad tells her that her Nana has passed away and she is just beside herself because she, she loves her father's parents, loves them. And she has so many beloved memories of summer going to visit them in the Hamptons and being in their, their beach side bar, their tiki bar. And she drops everything in her life and flies to the U.S. to be with her grandpa Joe to kind grandpa of help Joe. him. I know. Sorry. To help, <laughs> to help him because he's really grieving. I mean, her Nana was like literally like the this joyful, larger than life person who lived every day to its fullest. And her grandfather's really struggling. So to her great surprise, when she leaves, her kind of steady, stale boyfriend comes along with her. 
And when she reaches this, this town by the coast, she gets the biggest shock of her life that her love, her love of her life is living there. The per- he is a soldier. His name is Mac Wyatt. And she received letters a few years ago that he was dead. And then she received letters when she kept kind of pushing that he went back to a, a girl in his hometown And this is after like they've communicated for years through letters and they had one video call. That's it. But they loved each other so fiercely. And then he just crashed out of her life and she is coming to terms with trying to bury her grandmother, trying to help her grandfather through his grief, making sure that this beachside bar does all of the holiday extravagant gatherings and, and, uh, traditions, traditions and charity events that her grandmother and grandfather have done for years while kind of grappling with the fact that Mac is indeed not dead, that some tragic event happened that I'm not going to tell you because it will ruin the book for you. And he couldn't face her. And so this book is a lot about family and like the development of a beautiful relationship. It's slow burn. It is not a love triangle. I'm going to tell you right now because I hate them. So you don't have to read it and be like, oh, wait, I love him. Oh, wait, no, I love him. It's about vomit. Yes, I know. It's about the love of family for each other. It's about the love of a town for its residents. And just, it's a beautiful story. And there's a parrot in it named Meryl cheap. So, I mean, you can't go wrong. <laughs> oh, it's great. Meryl cheap is a great character. She's in it a lot. And Mac has a super adorable little dog named scooter. Who's also a big part of the book. So if you want to read Aww. a wonderful, a wonderful, wonderful Christmas book, that is the perfect amount of sweet without too much vomit sweet and characters that really develop and a beautiful story with just the most wonderful letters from a grandmother who is now passed away to her granddaughter. You need to read Christmas by the coast by Mandy Baggett. You would love it. Mandy Baggett is one of my top. I discovered her last year and she is one of my top authors of holiday romance. She just writes books that have the, the holiday feels that I know I look for, but also a lot more depth and breadth and a lot more um, soul, I think, yeah. um, than a lot of the lovely, more fluffy holiday offerings that I also enjoy. But her books really um, dig deep, I think, into like psyche. And there's always some really interesting dynamics. Um, the characters are not perfect and no, they're I just, not homework. No, and her books are just very lovely. And the best part is it's so hard to find holiday romances or holiday books that are not just full length, but a nice length. And Mad- Mandy Baggett really delivers on that. My um, second pick is Christmas at the Restaurant by Pamela A. Kelly. And I love food books. 
Yes, she is. And this one is about the, um, this is the second book in the series. The first one was called The Restaurant. Um, and a little, kind of a little backstory in the restaurant. The three sisters, um, Jill, Amanda, or Mandy, Amanda, and Emma, when their grandmother dies, um, they inherit a restaurant. The stipulation is they have to run it together for a year before they can sell it. Oh, geez. <laughs> and the pro- slightly problematic situation is that there's a fourth person that the restaurant is left to, which is the third sister, Emma's ex-boyfriend, Paul. Oh, no. <laughs> yes. And so Christmas at the restaurant is the continuation of the first book of it's it's about family. It's about how the sisters have adjusted to a year um, owning a restaurant and their relationships with each other and their significant others. This was um, it had the family the Christmassy but it wasn't overly Christmassy it did talk about presents that they got each other and how they didn't need a lot because they had each other so you know they got a cup a, a gift each or something but they were really expensive gifts since it's um placed it go it takes place in Nantucket so hmm. um they talked about $800 cashmere sweaters Whoa. When I could knit it up a lot cheaper, I'm just saying. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so it was a it was a decent little book. It was um, only five hours long on audio, so I don't think it would be very long on Kindle. It would be a quick read. It was a very it wasn't very fluffy, and it was very um, it wasn't very cutesy, but it was it was it still made you feel good. They talked about ginger, um, gingerbread cookies and hot chocolate mm. and all things that make you want to go cuddle and snow. Well, not cuddle <laughs> in the snow per se, but you know what I mean. <laughs> cuddle cuddle while it's snowing. <laughs> like, yes, exactly. <laughs> if you stay in the so. snow long enough, you might want to cuddle though. That's true. That is true. That, that is true. <laughs> So it was a very, um, it was a nice little quick read. So if you want to know what happens to the sisters, I would read them in order so that you can know what exactly happens so that you're not lost because they don't stand alone at all. Oh, that's good to know. So just one more time, just if you could give the title and the author one more time. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, the okay. title was... Christmas at the Restaurant by Pamela A. Kelly. I love books about restaurants. I'll have to look this up. So my final book tonight is a joyous surprise for me. I was not expecting this book. And, oh, talk about bringing all the feels and just everything we love about the holiday season. This book is The Matzah Ball by Jean Meltzer. And this book is about Rachel. Rachel is a very good Jewish girl. She's the daughter of 
a very prominent rabbi. She is, you know, just very, very good. Um, she is always helping out. She is just the model of decorum around her father and, and the faith. And Rachel has a secret. Rachel loves Christmas. Always has. She loves the way that Christmas movies and Christmas books make her feel. She loves the decor. She loves everything about Christmas. And for the last 10 years, Rachel has been a best-selling author of Christmas romances. Ooh. Oh. She used now her this, own name? No, she has a pen name and no one in her family is aware of what she does. And she's terrified of disappointing her parents or embarrassing them or of bringing any sort of just negativity to her family name and to her father, who's this well-respected rabbi who people seek out from far away and all over the place for his knowledge of Jewish law and, you know, just Jewish history. And so she has (laughs) kept this part of herself very private. Rachel also has a chronic illness. That's a hidden disability that she does her best to manage in all the ways that she has learned over the years, give her, the maximum amount of ability to live a life that she can be okay with. What things does she have to give up to live this life, to do the things, some things that bring her joy? What does she have to sacrifice? And very few people know about what Rachel is living with. She keeps it very quiet because she is so afraid of judgment or of mockery, um, or people being dismissive of her diagnosis because it is not visible. And so a lot of people don't understand. And so Rachel lives this life where on one hand, she's the dutiful daughter who helps out at services, who knows everything about the Jewish faith, who helps out her father and mother. But then, you know, she's living this double life as this author of very successful Christmas romances that have been made into movies. I mean, she's just like, and she can't even tell anyone except her best friend, Mickey, about this life that she has. Now, the other thing about Rachel is back in her youth, she went to a Jewish summer camp every summer. And when she was 12, she meets this boy who is like her camp arch enemy But as the summer progresses and their prank war escalates, something (laughs) begins to happen. Uh Uh-oh. First love blooms, Uh, bright uh. and fierce. But then something happens that just devastates Rachel. And ever since that time, she's been unwilling to truly open her heart up to love, especially after knowing about her chronic illness. Now we have Jacob. Jacob owns a party planning business for the rich and famous. He plans these very elaborate parties that bring in uh, influencers and things like that. And he has decided that he is going to come to New York where he hasn't been since he was 13. 
He's been living in Paris for 18 years and he's going to put on this ginormous matzah ball to celebrate Hanukkah. And it's going to have all these Jewish artists and musicians. And it's just going to be like the party of the century. And it's going to just make his company go to the next amazing level. But Jacob needs a favor. He needs a certain rabbi to light the candles in the menorah at this big event. And who should he ask? Who do you think he should ask? But Rachel's father. And this throws Jacob and Rachel together in the same orbit where feelings run complicated and deep on both sides. And at the same time, as Jacob is coming back into Rachel's life, Rachel learns that in order to stay with her current publisher, they're asking her to write a Hanukkah romance. And it's like a needle scratching across a record. And it's just like a bucket of ice water in her face. Because to Rachel, Christmas is everything romantic where happily ever after flourishes. And Hanukkah is like this just kind of minor holiday that she doesn't really care about. And like where she sees no magic. So as Jacob and Rachel are getting to know each other again through pranks and misunderstandings, (laughs) Rachel is also trying to write a romance about Hanukkah. This book is one of the most gorgeous things I've read in a long time. It's about so many things. It's about different types of love, familial love, you know, the love between friends, romantic love. It's about learning to love yourself. This book is an amazing, amazingly positive, uh, has just incredible positive disability representation um, and very frank discussions of chronic illness and the spoon theory. And it's just a really beautiful way to examine what does it truly mean to live with a chronic illness and how it impacts your day to day? And what things do you give up so you can do some of the things that you want to do? This book is about when what happened when what happens when secrets blow up to such a degree that when loosed they can hurt the people around you when when lies and fiction get so tangled that you cannot kind of see your way past it. This is one of my favorite books I've read this year. Um, it'll be a yearly read for me. It was just gorgeous and layered and just. I can't even say enough good things. Like I had all these gushy things that I was planning on saying about it that flew out of my head as I was talking, but it's just a really, really, really lovely book and a very unexpected surprise. Um, It also taught me a lot about Hanukkah and about the Jewish faith that I did not know. So it just was a really, really gorgeous book. This book again is The Matzah Ball by Jean Meltzer and everyone should read it. I'm going to read it. I'm going it's, to read it. That sounds good. It I'm just read it. came it out. Sound like, good. Yeah. Yeah. It just came out in September and um, it's, it's one of my top reads of 2021. Like it's just really gorgeous. And you know, it, it's rare for an author to um, have such positive disability representation. And, you know, I don't live with chronic illness or a hidden disability. My disability is kind of loud and proud. Like it's out there. I can't hide it. But this, you know, this book really demonstrates what it means to live with 
a condition that is so misunderstood and often maligned. Um, <clears throat> and that was one of the most beautiful parts of the book. I will say that as a heroine, Rachel can be kind of prickly and um, she makes some pretty sweeping generalizations and assumptions about people and the reactions they would likely have. And while I think for some people, this could be a little annoying for me, I felt like it was a product of her, her, um, her diagnosis and the way that she's felt like she's had to hide so much of herself from the people around her. So I, it was just, Oh my God, it was such a gorgeous book. <laughs> so my last book tonight is a romance. It's actually like it, they describe it as like a holiday I'm sorry, a Hallmark movie romance. So Brooke, this is, what? What? I know. I You're know, reading I a know. romance like a Hallmark romance? But because they have baking in it. It's because, oh. I swear, if they have oh. food in it, then I actually tend to like it. I'll read, like, cheesy romances. <laughs> um, so this is The Holiday Swap, and it's by Maggie Knox, which is um two female authors that I can't oh, remember I didn't know their names right now. Yeah. So in this book, we have identical twins, um, Charlie and Cass. And Charlie is a co-host of a baking show, like a reality show, a reality baking show. And right now they're doing, they're filming an episode for like a, like a 12-part episode for the 12 Days of Christmas. And she's kind of stressed out for some reason. We don't really know why. But she's stressed out, and she goes to have a break in the, like, cabinet, like, where they keep all of the, like, the closet, sorry, where they keep all of the dishes and all that stuff. Well, she's sitting there, and she's getting ready to leave. And what happens? All of the pots and pans fall on her. Oh shoot! And not oh, yeah. no. And not only does she lose consciousness, but she also loses her sense of smell and her sense of taste. Could you imagine? You have to judge a baking contest, and you can't taste and you can't smell. Well, Charlie really, really needs to make a good impression on her boss because there's a chance that she could get her own baking show. So she's really excited about this. So what does she do? Well, she calls Cass. Cass is working at their, in their small town for their family bakery. So she works with her parents. Um, their parents are on vacation right now. And Cass is struggling to get all of the holiday orders done because they always give a loaf of bread to all of the people of the town. So that's a lot of work to do. Um, and there's all these other orders that they have to get done. I know. Could you imagine? No. Well, <laughs> so Cass is also struggling with the fact that her, um, her ex-boyfriend, well, he doesn't really want to be an ex and he doesn't believe that she really wants him to be an ex. So you can only imagine how frustrating that is. So when Charlie asks her, to come and step into her life and swap. She says, sure, why not? Let's try this out, see what happens. 
so Cass goes and she takes over Charlie's spot and she begins the filming and thankfully Charlie is really really good friends with like the makeup person so they're able she's able to kind of support Cass as she tries to pretend that she's Charlie and it was really funny like some of the mistakes that she made or some of the like she wasn't sure what somebody's name was and then Priya would just like pop up with oh blah 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 how are you doing just to help her out and stuff like that so it's kind of funny (laughs) and then we've got Charlie and she's in at the family bakery and she knows what she's doing baking wise the problem is she falls asleep and she doesn't smell the smoke so she ends up burning half of their like baking order um, oh no baking yeah baking for the day so she ends up having to like I know and the um the fire chief is like well didn't you hear the smoke detectors and she's like um I don't know maybe they're not work maybe the uh like the alarm didn't work or something like that and so they're testing them but she doesn't want to admit that it's because she didn't smell the smoke it's not that the um alarm like the timer didn't go off that made her burn all the food so they're kind of going along trying to figure out each other's lives and then guess what what they each meet a guy of course so, they do of i course. know so cast meets miguel and miguel was the physician's assistant who took care of charlie um and gave her the uh concussion diagnosis oh my and then charlie meets jacob and jacob is this hunky firefighter so together they're all like getting to know each other and falling in love and then things start happening in both of their lives that lead them to wonder like is this even gonna happen because like hey, these guys don't even know who we are. And they also start questioning their like the lives that they do live. And like Charlie kind of wonders if maybe small town life might be more her thing. And Cass kind of starts wondering if maybe small town life is kind of holding her back. So if you want to know what happens for Cass and Charlie, then you will have to read The Holiday Swap by Maggie Knox. And I'm so glad you talked about this because it's on my TBR, but you know, I get a little, I just get a little nervous books about twins. Sometimes they're so, yeah, you know, they're typecast in these very specific good twin, bad twin, sexy twin, brainy twin, Yeah, you know? And so it can be hard for me to enjoy the book as a twin, but this looks fun and lighthearted and like something I need to read this season. So I'm glad you talked about it. Me too. I can't wait. I have a confession to make before I talk about my third book. Yeah. Natalia would be very disappointed in me for it is not the first book in the series. Uh I know. Uh I know. I know. The other books though. I actually um, have already bought one and have it. Yes. Um, But the reason that I read them out of order was because this was a Christmas book, but they are standalone (laughs) enough that you can read them. Um, This was one of the most joyful, delightful, yet made me cry books I've read this year. 
It is called. Thank you, Stacy. Th- oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Thank you, Stacy, for book number three. <laughs> she did all my books this year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And this book I was so excited about. I read it like two weeks ago. So this book is called Jingle Bell Hell. And it is by, <laughs> yes, and it is by Denise Grover Swank and A.R. Casella. And it is Jingle Bell Hell, Bad Luck Club, number two. I wish I was in a bad luck club, but this is the story of Mary O'Shea. And Mary O'Shea is very, this is going to rhyme. I can't wait. Mary O'Shea is very type A. and she's usually the person that has all her Christmas decorations up first before anyone else on the block she's very like driven and very goal oriented and she knows what she's doing but Mary has had a really rough year so her husband forgive my language is kind of a douche and he left when their son Aiden was five because he just couldn't handle the fact that he had autism. And so, yes, I know. And so for a year. So pick up and walk away. Uh, Yeah. Stellar individual. Yeah, this is hard. Bye. Oh, good. Well, and I mean, they really hadn't gotten along very well for a long time. He was on business trips more than he was home, but he just could not handle being around their son who is, by the way, delightful. And so Mary has been struggling. She picked up her life and moved with her son nearer to her family to Asheville. Is that North Carolina, I think? And so she's struggling. Like She's got a new job. She's doing fine. But, you know, she's just, her whole life's changed. And she can't tell her son, Aiden, like, hey, buddy, like your dad just didn't want to deal with you. So he like took off. So she has to like tell him he's on a really long business trip, which obviously she doesn't think is a good way to, you know, that's not really a good way to be, to lie to your child, but what are you going to say? So she is not feeling Christmas this year. And the day after Thanksgiving with a slight hangover caused by her sister's pink haired friend, Nicole, (laughs) she (laughs) promised to take her son to get a a Christmas tree, a real Christmas tree. And they end up at a Christmas tree farm and she's got a hangover. And there's like this nasty drunken Santa there who, um, (laughs) yes, is an employee of the Christmas tree farm and he won't leave them alone. And they're walking around and Aiden, you know, takes things really literally. So like, They go by this ugly tree and the drunk Santa said, oh, that one's meant for the wood chipper. And it bothered him (laughs) so much that that tree that looks like it's molting, like it's really, it's got bare patches. It's like a Charlie Brown tree times five. That's the tree they have to have because (laughs) he can't bear for it to go through the wood chipper. So they're looking at the trees and the drunk Santa won't leave him alone. And then he tells Aiden a really horrible, hard truth that Aiden it's, it's not appropriate for a six-year-old to be told. And Aiden just has a complete meltdown because this awful man told him something that a six-year-old shouldn't know. And so 
Mary is like beside herself. She doesn't know what to do. She feels so bad. She feels like Jace, I mean, the Aiden needs another mentor in his life. And so she signs him up for a mentor program that's kind of like Big Brothers, Big Sisters, and it's called Butterfly Buddies. Enter Jace. Jace wants to be a mentor at Butterfly Buddies more than anything in the world because his sister has cut him off from spending time with his nephew who he helped raise. His nephew has autism. And he misses him terribly. His sister cut him off from seeing his nephew because Jace went to prison for three years because of something that happened like a long time ago, like when he was like 19 and he never got caught for it until he was like in his late twenties. So he's trying to rebuild his life and people treat him not very well when they find out that, you know, he's been in prison and he's been really struggling. He's lonely. His two best friends are a senior citizen man in his building and another woman who's a little bit younger who has an illegal bakery in her kitchen and his cat. And so he meets Mary and he meets Aiden and he thinks Mary is like the hottest thing. And Mary in her buttoned up way thinks that, that Jace is really hot too he, with his tattoos and his bad boy vibe. And they get to know each other through Aiden and Jace knows that, when Mary finds out that he was in prison, she's probably going to cut him off from seeing her son. And it just breaks his heart because he really, really, really wants to be a part of this family. And Mary is just drawn to Jace and Aiden loves him too. And at the same time, Mary has gotten her own mentor, pink haired Nicole with her nose ring, who is founding a bad luck club. And Mary is her first person. And Mary is like strangely drawn to Nicole and wants to do these things that Nicole wants her to do that are way outside her comfort zone. And there are some pretty hilarious shenanigans in this book, but also some very deep emotional chapters. And it's about how people open their minds and find love, familial love and romantic love. And it's a wonderful book. And there are so many more parts of this book that I could say, but I don't want to give things away. Um, for people who have family members with autism, I would be curious to know. I feel like the authors did a really good job. Um, I work with a lot of students and I work with several who have a diagnosis of autism and I thought they did a good job, but I'd be curious to know what you guys think. Um, you can tell they did some research. I don't think it's too cliche, but, um, you just, I'd love to know, but this book made me so happy. I want to read all the books they've written together because they seem on the surface when you look at the synopsis, like they're going to be like this joyous, rollicking good time. And they do. I mean, I cackled out loud. I tried to call my sister to tell her about part of the book and I couldn't even talk. I was cackling so hard, but <laughs> it's true. It, and there are also some really deep scenes and some really deep moments. And I teared up a couple times. Really good. Jingle Bell Hell, Bad Luck Club, number two by Denise Grover Swank and A.R. Casella. That sounds, sounds like a really so good book. 
I'm so glad I told you about this book. I knew you'd love it. I it's on my TBR. I read the first like three chapters and I thought Sarah needs this for the holiday episode. So I, she did, she called me and she said, I really like this book, but I really want you to, it's, you know, you like it, you like books with kids and moms and which I do. And so I really, really enjoyed this book. I feel like both of the books I read with children in it for this episode did a wonderful job with the kids in the books. The third book I want to talk about is Christmas on the Island by Jenny Colgan. And Jenny Colgan is awesome. She's She's amazing. Christmas on the Island is the third book in the series. It resolves a lot of what happened in book one and book two. So I'm going to go back a little to give. Book one is called um, The Seaside Cafe. The Cafe by the Sea. Yeah. Oh, the Cafe by the Sea, right? Doesn't she have one called the Cafe, the Seaside Cafe? Maybe not. Um, Something like that. And it's about a woman named Flora who is disinterested in all. She leaves her posh job and decides to go back to her crazy Scottish family in the middle of nowhere and open a restaurant or a type of bakery if I remember correctly right a bakery cafe that um, serves this little bitty island and so she has to find who she is in book one book two kind of relates to book one but sometimes not really it's (laughs) it's more about her life and book three really comes to it brings it all together but I don't want to mention too much because there are a lot of of spoilers but it has to do a lot with mostly family birth and death and who what what Christmas really means to a lot of people that's a beautiful way to describe that yep I think it's hard with this one because you can't say too much because you can't read right. it by itself. You can't do what I did and read book two without reading book one. It wouldn't have made what? sense. Right. You see, Natalia, you have to. Oh, yeah. Natalia is all about reading them in order, right? She totally well, is. Yep. She, she would approve. Uh, this, again, is Christmas on the Island by Jenny Colgan. And it's part of the Island of Mirror series, I believe. Is that what the series is called? I believe yes, so. Because the um, island is called Mirror or something mm-hmm. like that. And the book, uh, book one is Cafe by the Sea. Book two is The Endless Beach. And book three is Christmas on the Island. I just have to give a shout out to her most recent Christmas uh, holiday novel that came out this year, which is The Christmas Bookshop. Again, by Jenny Colgan. It's a standalone. And I'm not trying to hijack your Jenny no. Colgan but I just have to say if you're looking for a standalone holiday romance the Christmas bookshop would fulfill that but certainly reading the Island of Mirror series um, is special and amazing and you should just do all the Jenny Colgan just like sink into her books and like get lost for weeks and then come back out and you'll feel refreshed and life will feel like a little bit easier. I just think she writes the best books and she has recipes. And Well, this concludes our holiday episode. I would like to thank Sarah and Brooke and Georgina for participating with me. 
I want to thank Shannon for allowing me to sap out on books that make her sappily uncomfortable every year that she does not enjoy. <laughs> so she lets me leave the podcast. And I'd also like to thank Christine for her ridiculously masterful editing. Without her, we would just be a giant mess of church giggles and um, bloopers. So thank you so much, Christine. We adore you for all that you do behind the scenes to make us sound great. So thank you all for listening to this episode. If you would like to leave us a rating or a review, you can do that on Apple Podcasts or any other platform that you use to access the show. Not only does it tell us what you think, but it also helps other people find us when they're looking for book-related podcasts. Um, It kind of advances us in the Google algorithm. So I will be back next Tuesday morning with an author interview and, of course, the guide to new releases. And some number of us will be back on Friday with more bookish greatness. Take care, everybody.